Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Camera Work Podcast. I am John Ricard, and we have a guest. We don't always have a guest on the podcast, so I'm always like really happy when there's a guest because then I know there's at least one other person listening to the podcast, which is you. <laughs> okay, so the guest is Howell Teague from Flow Grappling. What's up, Howell? Hey, guy. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I feel quite honored now you said that. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad to have you. And you know what's really funny is I actually mentioned you on the podcast about two weeks ago without mentioning your name. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. In what context? Because I was telling a story. I would, the subject I was talking about was like asking people to think about like, what is your relationship with your peers? So ah. I told a story that went like this. I said, I shoot at Marcelo Garcia Academy, jujitsu school. I do pictures virtually every class that I go to. I take some photos, kind of like Marcelo Garcia's photographer, even though he as a person is not really into pictures. Like he has never once said to me, Hey, could you send me that shot of me and so-and-so? Not once. And I, the only time I ever sent him a shot was him and his teacher, Fabio Gergel. I texted him that, but he doesn't care about it. But I shoot all this stuff kind of just to document the history of the academy. Been doing it about six years. And I mentioned that, like, so one day you came in. I didn't mention you by name. But the point I was trying to make was, like, I'm not territorial. I, when I see somebody else come in and shooting, I'm not like, who's this fucking guy? It, I'm just like, hey, what's up? What do you do? You know, what do you shoot? Very conversationally. For sure. And actually, right. I remember that because I think the first time that I went to shoot at Marcelo Garcia Academy was about 18 months ago. So it was around about April 2015. And right. yeah, I remember bumping into you and I, I saw you had the camera in your hand. I mean, you were right. wearing your workout gear you're right? Right. and you right. were in right. the middle of a session, <laughs> but you still camera was right there. And we right. just got talking about, oh, you know, about lights and, you know, how does that right. perform in this academy? Because, you know. Right. One of the most challenging things about jujitsu photography is 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 the light, right? And, of you course. Know, and we just started sort of spitballing about what the machines we were using, and right. you were checking out my kit. I was checking out yours. So, right. yeah, I, for sure, definitely, right. it was it was quite nice to find a kindred spirit in the gym. Right. And the funny thing is, and then fast forward a year later, year and a half, whatever, I'm just contacting Flow Grappling about shooting something, and I'm telling you like, yeah, you know, I'm a photographer and I take pictures at Marcelo, and you're like, well, we met when I was at the academy. But the point that I made on a podcast was like your memory of me was pleasant because had I been that guy that's all territorial and trying to shut yep. you down in some way, then you would have been like, well, I don't really want this guy on my team. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And when I was being nice to you that day, I wasn't going, well, maybe one day I'm going to be con. It's not that. It's no, just, it's just being a nice human being. Right. That's <laughs> that just counts how for you a lot. Be. Yeah. And, right. you know, I, I think we've probably experienced this. And any photographer probably has that. Photographers are really territorial, you know, territorial about, you know, their environment, territorial about getting the best shot over the other one. And, yeah. and, and especially when it comes to protecting certain relationships and, and, right. and little patches of, you know, like you say, territory. But um, yeah. for me, as a, as a photographer, as a shooter for many years, and now more on the, the commissioning side of things, right. that I don't want to work with somebody like that. Right. You know? Right. Absolutely And that's not. how you should just be the right way with people, period. Like I said, maybe it pays off, maybe it doesn't, but just be right with people. For sure. Ultimately, you're just a guy trying to get the shot too. You're not my enemy because we were in the same space. So I never try to be that way. So I thought that was interesting that that came around. And then you said to me, hey, I think you took a picture of me with Marcelo. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I did. And I sent it to you. And again, I took the picture of you. There was no reason for it. I just document what's going on at the academy. But I had that shot to send you. But again, it wasn't like I was thinking, oh, one day, it's not that. Could leverage it, could, it for something. Right, yeah, because if that course. was the case, then I would have tried to figure out 
like exactly who you are. I would attract you on social media. Yeah. And, and that's not how that happened at all. It's no, not. it was so, much more organic than that. And actually right. it worked out really well. So, you know, since that time that, uh, that I was here in 2015, I've been right. back to New York a bunch of times. I think we've connected a, m- a number of times and, right. and, you know, we've been speaking a lot since then. And, uh, right. and it's, it's been really cool actually, because it, it, from that sort of humble little start, it's right. blossomed in a pretty good Stuff. working relationship, right? Right. right. No, it's excellent. Cause we did, yeah. got some st- ideas that I want to do with you guys, hopefully. Very so, cool. I'm and, interested. <laughs> so, and you did something interesting in your own personal or professional career, however you want to call it. Cause on a podcast, we talk a lot about personal work, mm-hmm. the idea of doing your own work where you don't have a client, something yeah. you're passionate about. And honestly, for me, it's an area that I struggle with because right. a lot of times I'm not doing personal work, I'm really not, or at least I'm not putting enough commitment into the personal work. But you were doing something for a long time that I'm going to call personal work, No, it right? completely was. You're absolutely right. That's right. exactly the correct label and for what it. What was it called? And tell us what it was. So basically in 2011, um, I had just come out of a, uh, a career working for many years in the publishing industry. I was a magazine editor. Okay. And uh, you know my start was originally as a writer photographer. And I went mm-hmm. into magazine editing. And then when I moved to Brazil in 2011, I'm from the UK originally, I moved there, I noticed that there was a space in uh, the jiu-jitsu media landscape for videos. There was just a lack of really good videos. Mm -hmm. And um, basically with the advances advancements in technology, all of a sudden DSLRs could shoot video, right? Right. I thought, right, I'm just going to give it a go. So um, basically from 2011 through till 2015, I worked on a personal project that I called BJJ Hacks. BJJ, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Hacks. It was a catchy title Mm -hmm. and it was something that I thought people could use to potentially hack their Jiu-Jitsu and become better. Right. So it kind of ran away with itself and... um, But you would like go to different academies and film the instructor and actually some of the students as well actually. It It, it started off as almost like a magazine style website. It just started off as like some, uh, some techniques and some interviews and stuff like that but I found very quickly that what people really wanted was stories Mm -hmm. and what I did was I started producing profiles so Mm -hmm. in effect these were the feature profiles that I'd been writing for the magazine years before I just transferred that into video format now it was quite challenging because I had to teach myself video at this time but I knew how to tell a story so the one led into the other right so you just transferred it into that right. absolutely so i started right. going around uh making connections in the community i started right. profiling athletes mm-hmm. instructors uh basically, right. basically anybody with a high profile in terms of access where most people like yeah come on in and film or pretty open you get some stuff yeah no i'm I, I i didn't struggle too much uh very quickly i got on the map with a couple right. of very successful videos and right. People immediately recognized the work that I was doing, and I right. always found them to be very accommodating after that. Right, but you know that, but you find I'm sure you find that jujitsu people are the most like unreliable and the most unmotivated to hey. depress people in the world. I lived, I live, I've been living in Brazil five and a half years. You don't need right. to tell me about unreliable. <laughs> I, I, notorious for yeah. timekeeping and missing appointments. Yeah. Believe me, I've turned up many times to a shoot and the guy's like, oh yeah, that's today. Oh, yeah. it just yeah. doesn't come. It's amazing. Yeah, it's I weird know. to me because <laughs> I think some of them don't realize that that window of being whatever you'd call it, famous in the jiu-jitsu world is a shorter window than Very. I think some of them realize. We're talking five years before that next crew of young guys is going to come up that everyone is chasing after. And yeah. when that door is knocking, you better, you should really jump on it. And yeah. I think a lot of them yeah. just don't understand it. And I think Well, they don't. There's a lack of business awareness uh, among many right. of them, and there's a lack of right. media sensibility as well. So they're right. no, they maybe, they haven't really um, 
they, they've certainly never been taught to and they've certainly never uh, studied the importance of being active in the media. Right. So, you know, it's a, it's a bit of an issue, you know, with those guys. But they're getting better in social media, but working with professional media, right. it leaves a lot to they be They don't desired. see it, right. And no. in, in my school, my teacher, Marcelo Garcia, he doesn't do any of that stuff. He's so well known that he's one of those rare people that really don't need social he media. He doesn't need to do it, yeah. Right. yeah. But it could set an ex- it could almost set the wrong example for the people under him because they might think, well, we don't need to do this. Well, you need yeah. to do it. Just Marcelo Garcia doesn't need to do it. Yeah, there are some guys out there like that, you know, who are who are uh, active athletes and they just maintain, you know, skeleton social media presence. Right. It drives me crazy, but yeah. but that's yeah. on them, you know. But right. I make it my point of chasing after those guys to do right. the work, not for them, it. but because it's in my interest, right? right? So, but but tying back to what we said originally, so you did your own personal work, which was this BJJ hack. So mm-hmm. Was that making any money through advertising? I commercialized it. Yeah, I did. I managed to. So I I did it in a couple of ways. Um, First of all was I had sponsors who would actually pay to advertise on the video. So they would insert their logos and later on that developed actually into commercials in the video. Uh, So they they were hard-coded onto the video Mm -hmm. itself. Um, They basically, they they kept me going, you know, they kept me afloat for many Mm -hmm. many years. And I maintained some, I, I actually developed some very good relationships within right. the commercial industry that actually led to later on commissions, which was okay. very useful. Okay. Right. Uh, the other form of advertising was uh, Google, of course, you know, the AdSense, the YouTube revenue, every click, uh, sorry, every view that you get, you get whatever fraction of a penny, right. you know, you add those and up. And that did a, manage to add up to a little bit to something that. It got whatever. to the stage where, you know, like, um, I, I forget now without checking the analytics, but right. my channel was putting in hundreds of thousands of YouTube videos a month, and I was getting around about two hundred dollars on a good month, two hundred and fifty. Wow. Yeah, it's pocket it's money, good. but you know, Something, it's, it's right. better than zero, right? Right. And uh, the actual, the third form of advertising, the uh, sorry, the third form of revenue that I had from these videos, I had affiliate links. So these were really useful because you know what having the exactly? affiliate links, having the advertisers, I would have a custom URL within the description of the video. So okay. any visitor or any person who was watching that and then clicked on that link would go through to the retailer's website, and I would get a commission got off the it, sale. Got it. Got it. Right. So, so that link is all where that, in the, that link is while the video is playing. No, actually, it was right there in the. It was the very top of the YouTube description. You oh, can okay. have a where it says like link. show more. And you had links there that someone might click? Well, actually, it's at the top before the show more button, which is great because this is a tip actually for anybody who has a YouTube channel. Um, is that if you have the, the text description at the top of the YouTube video, right. you need to click show more to read the entire thing. It only, only right. shows you the first two lines. Right. But if you lead that description with the URL, and it has right. to have the full HTTP colon right. slash slash www for it to be clickable. Right. You have that at the very top. It's the first thing that somebody sees before they even see right. show more. Right. So put those sponsor type li- affiliate links there, yeah. not at the show more, because who's going to click show more? Very right. few people, yeah. But right. I mean, I always made sure that I would repeat that link about two, three times within the description, along with all the music credits and the description and the SEO garbage that goes in there just to, right. you know, make sure the video is firing. So. Right. Now, um, but anyway, at this point now, you're actually employed by Flow Grappling. That's right. Which is a huge platform because they do like wrestling and they do a lot of stuff, not just Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, That's correct? correct. Yeah. So Flow Sports is the parent company and right. they have around about, I think right now it's 14 sports. So a different website for each one and is 
is growing. This is a. What uh, are some of the other names? Flow. Flow wrestling, flow track, mile split, flow gymnastics, flow elite, which is CrossFit, flow volleyball, flow tennis, you name right. it. Any kind okay. of collegiate, scholastic, or um, really, you know, growing sports that has a space, even right. esports, they've got a website dedicated right. and, to it. And your employment by Flow Sport is a direct result of the personal work that you were doing out of passion with BJJ hats. Absolutely. Because yeah. you weren't, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm putting words in your mouth now, but you weren't doing BJJ hacks saying, hey, one day a company is going to find me and hire me. I didn't me. even know it was an option. You know, I, I'll be honest that everything that I was working to over the last five years has right. completely led me to this position. Right. But I didn't even know that it existed. And it didn't exist until right. just over a year ago. Right. So this, this company, Flow Sports, they'd already been going for about nine years with a number of sports. They received various rounds of investment funding and they were in an ex extremely busy growth period. Right. And one of the sports that they added to their roster was grappling, also right. known as jujitsu. Mm -hmm. And they looked around and they were like, well, who do we want to run this? They right. saw my work and that was basically, that was my resume. Right. I, I, I needed to do very little from that point to get hired. They right. had a few conversations and they were like, yeah, we need you. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's amazing. Right. And we talk about that in a podcast a lot. And as I said, for me personally, that's probably my biggest struggle is feeling I don't do enough personal work. I'll get very motivated on a client job. And then when it's my own thing, I'll just kind of go, I don't know. And well, my perspective you know, is, you know, I've done a, a, my fair share of commercial work over the last five years as well. Right. I, I've got to be straight with that. The last five right. years working on that personal project, that was my main thing. Right? right. However, I needed to always supplement that with commercial work. I did right. work for uh, TV production companies. I did right. work for ESPN. I did work for, you know, right. a, a, you name it, I freelance. Right. But it, okay? I think but for me, my personal struggle is, again, I'll give 110% to the client. Yeah. And then when it's my own thing that I'm thinking of doing, then I'm giving 50%. Well, what I found Whereas, with that was that it was yeah. a, it was, there was a certain uh, anonymity that was involved with commercial work that I wasn't right. necessarily getting uh, the same level of personal yeah, recognition it's not about and you, value. Right, no, right. but you may not even have a credit on that photo exactly, or video. Yeah, right. I would do my best to produce the work, I would cash the check, great, right. and I would hope that something else would come around. Right. So in those gaps in between, and I would always make sure that I was right. firing on my personal stuff to make sure that I always right. had something and that I was right. developing something. Further. Which is, I think, something you'd have to still do now even with Flow Sports, because Correct. if at some yeah. point Flow Sports changes up what they do and they go, well, we're not keeping the Flow Grappling part of what we're doing, now you don't want to be back to square zero where you were 100% on them for the connections and the gigs and the money or whatever, you know, as Yeah, well, they won't. Freelancer. Given the success of the site over the last 12 months, there's no way they're going to scrap us. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> we've, we've, we've broken every single possible goal wow. and we've, you know, it was the right time wow. in the right place. Jiu-Jitsu needed it, yeah. but we've been very successful with our model. Um, but you're right. And, you know, I'm a strong believer, you know, in looking yeah. to the future and, and considering what kind of creative projects, you know, right. I want to work on. And right. I'm very lucky in that Flow Grappling has given me the resources that I needed right. to execute a lot of projects that solo I would never have been able to do. Right. Yeah, you seem to travel right? a lot with that through them, Absolutely, correct? yeah. Having yeah, a travel cool. budget for one thing is massive, but yeah. also, you know, having a team of guys to help me out with things. Right. Being able to uh, get a, a team of guys to work on uh, you shooting a documentary or right. to make sure that somebody's covering something while I'm covering something else. Right. It, it, you know, I can't stress how much that helps. Right. And coming from many years of working independently it's a game changer that's cool one of the things i think like when i'm shooting jujitsu which is you know sometimes it's i have a few paid clients in there but a lot of times it's just that's my version of the personal work but i take it so seriously and i think it's funny sometimes when i see people who don't 
take things like that as seriously as I do. So I was going to tell you just a couple of things that kind of go through my head when I'm shooting. So like if I'm shooting jujitsu, I'm shooting guys just rolling on a mat. Like in my mind, it's not a funny thing. There's nothing humorous about people rolling because I'm conscious that when I'm shooting at any moment, someone could get hurt. And it's not that common in jujitsu, but you could get seriously hurt doing this. And sometimes I'll see guys like, you know, they're shooting, you know, at their school or whatever, and they'll catch a funny moment, something that looks like guys are dancing, or maybe somebody's head is in a weird position that it's easy for you to make a joke about what it looks like they're doing. And they'll like post that picture and write something funny. And then I'll kind of go like, it doesn't seem right to me. Like here, these guys are in a life or death struggle where someone could get an arm broken and you're clicking away, finding something funny to go throw that on Facebook and go, oh, they're doing the tango or, you know, that looks like a sexual position that they're doing because it's two guys. And yeah, it I'm not, I'm not so a huge wrong. fan of those memes either, I've got to say. You know, it's, um, right. I, I agree. If you're going to shoot something, then you should do it in a professional manner, you right. know, regardless of whether it's professional or, or personal. And I think for to use a, a, an example or an analogy would be that, you know, if I'm shooting, for example, fashion or something like that, right. then, you know, I'm not going to shoot a duck face or, you know, that moment in between expressions where somebody Correct. looks dumb and then right. slap a label on it. Right. It's understood. And all the like exactly. celebrity work or music artist work I've done, no one ever had to say to me, like, don't, don't take a picture of us yeah. smoking or don't take, like, if someone falls in my studio, I'm not going to take a picture of you falling. I'm not a paparazzi. There's this, like, unspoken agreement. Yeah, and sure. when I'm shooting jujitsu, it's like that where to me it's a very serious thing but I'm always amazed when I see people who have such a different approach about it you yeah, know I mean we've talked about this I suppose but you know there's a, a lack of you know professionalism within the right. industry and, and I'm not sure whether that is um, because people don't take it seriously or because they don't know any better maybe they don't right. know any better yeah, maybe you know, as the industry you know grows yeah. maybe it will attract a certain right. level of seriousness to it right. that, but you should yeah. you know and then I, I saw one time we had a guy um who was shooting in the you know like said the ibjjf tournament you get this like vest gives you permission to kind of be in front of the audience and you're very close to the mats and you're shooting so when i shoot in that way like, for one thing, like, I don't talk to the athletes. And I know all these guys because I train with them, the Marcelo guys, and I know some guys that I've worked with from other academies that have been there to interview them for EBI sure. or whatever. I'm not joking with you. I'm not talking to you. I'm not asking you. I'm not, certainly not asking you to pose for a photograph when you're waiting to, to compete 30 seconds, and I'll yeah. see guys You do see that happen. Yeah, yeah. It drives me crazy. Yeah, I, I, I don't like it either, you know. Um, I think the real the the, the style of uh, photography that works best at those kind of events is definitely the reportage style. You know, the, the the sort of the fly in the wall documentary style right. photography really works well in those situations because right. it's not a time to mess with somebody, to ask them to perform, to direct right. them. You right. know, maybe at best you can just give them a hey. And get right. them to turn around and look at you and you take a photo. Right. But, you know, it's, beyond that, save it for after. Right. You know? And it was funny because the other day I was at the tournament and um, Dylan was there. This guy, Dylan Dan, is kind of well known because he's uh, Conor McGregor's jiu-jitsu coach. And he was warming up. And at one point I saw him with his mom and I tried to get a quick video clip of it and I missed it. And I was dying to get the clip, but I wasn't going to say to Dylan right before the match, hey, go talk to your mom because... I need the shot. Again, I don't know what his headspace is. So but I did walk over to his mom and I said, man, I'd love to get a shot of Dylan with you, but I can't ask him. You know, if you want to ask him, that's cool, but I can't. 
So she asked him, because again, I look at that a little different because, okay, now that's on you and your mom. Because yeah, you could yeah. say to your mom, yeah. hey, mom, in the future, I need you to not bother me before a match. Yeah. Or she can say to me, oh, no, I never bother him before a match because I know it messes him up. But I did um, ask her and she did call him over. So that's on the footage I gave you today, by the way. Fantastic. <laughs> I can't wait to take a look. Dylan and his mom, you know. Finally, uh, from that tournament, I mean, um, you know, we were both there on Saturday. It was the, uh, the Nogi Pans here right. in New York. And, um, you know, we were both shooting. But my, <laughs> I, I don't know if you noticed, but I was shooting something a little bit different uh, this time around. Yeah, you looked like you had a, um, you looked like you were running around. I'm not on mic. You looked like you were running around with the, um, the, the disposable film cameras, right? <laughs> yes, How did right. that go? Um, you know what? I had no idea what to expect, um, but it was actually really fun taking it analog for a change. Right. You know, I've been shooting digital for well over 10 years now, right. and I haven't shot a film camera for a very long time. So right. I don't know where the idea came from, but it was very recently I just thought, you know what? I want to get some of those like disposable cameras, right. you know, the one shot one, or right. the one time ones. I, I bought three of them. Uh, I had one. I handed a couple to guys on my team, and I was just right. like, you know what? Just take pictures of whatever just you anything, want. Anything, yes, off the cuff kind of thing. Yeah. yeah over fifty percent of the photos came yeah. out like so underexposed, you can't see anything. Wow, wow, wow. But that's yeah. you know. Those lenses are always like f eight. I don't know. All those Lomo cameras are like that. Yeah. They're like or, it has an f eight lens. I'm like, yeah, it's great when I'm at the beach, and then any other time, it's useless. It's yeah, amazing. shooting indoors at a, a, a high school gymnasium oh, or a college gymnasium with grimy fluorescent lighting. Right. Yeah. You, for sure, it didn't come out. However, the stuff that, um, like the, I got a lot of great candids, you know, right. with the flash. Right. And uh, man, they, they were a lot, of, in fact, you know, stay there, hang on. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but I'll tell you what drives me crazy about, um, what drives me crazy about trying to shoot film today is how expensive it is. And I don't know if people realize that who didn't come up in the film days, but a roll of film could be as low as $2 in the old age. It was like nothing. And now all of a sudden it's, like eight dollars to buy a roll of film, twenty dollars to. Well, you develop. know what? Oh, you want to know how much it took me to to, to develop? It cost what, me to develop. Rolls? What? It cost me for three disposable cameras. It cost me forty-seven dollars, including tax, to develop Ridiculous. those. And now, right? ten years ago, that would have been like nine dollars each at the most. Yeah, this is. I see why people stuff. shoot digital now, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? this this was a lot of fun. You know, and a lot of the, the, these viewfinders, you're never really sure what you're getting. I took right. this photo of Dylan oh, here. Look so. at that. It cut the top yeah, of his head off. No, that's great, though. No, that's great. That, that, that's like a statement right there, you know? No, that's super cool, yeah. So but a lot of times was a it lot is a of matter fun. of doing something different. Yeah, Gianni, another one of the guys uh, that I see all the time, Gianni Grippo. Very cool. But yeah, that's the thing, though, is a lot of times it's just trying to do something different these days because, and that gets me to another thing about shooting jujitsu is that, and you may agree with this, it's so easy to shoot the actual tournament pictures that it's actually boring to shoot the matches. It's so yeah. easy to shoot it. Yeah, anybody with a, a, a camera that, you know, burst frames, you know, they can just sit there and they can just keep their finger on the button and they can shoot you know, X amount of frames per second, right. and they're gonna get something or other, right? right. It's not that hard, right. And I think that's why I started doing more video at the tournament at times, and certainly the stuff I enjoy is when I'm running around with my Leica, getting the off moments, you know, people just chilling and, you know, being like, you know, hugging each other or massaging a, a wounded athlete kind of thing. Any moment that I can catch, rather than 
the actual tournament, yeah, like, like, yeah, here's an example. Like, here's a, a guy who looks like he's just kind of either recovering or meditating, waiting for his next shot. That's the stuff that I like to shoot. You know, here's another one, a little quiet moment with the guy we talked about before, this Dylan Dennis, very quiet moment there. That's the only thing that I find interesting is to look for those shots to kind of put my own stamp on it, right? Because with the tournament Im images also, uh, yeah, you know what? One thing I hardly ever shoot the injured. Like I virtually yeah, never shoot the injured. Yeah, I felt bad people. shooting that. I gotta say, I, yeah. I I took it and a bunch. You know, the flash went off and a bunch of people all spun around and, and all at me too. And right? I kind of like you know shrugged my shoulders and right. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. And so you yeah, could that. look at it like. <laughs> Because I always look at it like I'm not really a journalist, so I don't need it if I... Because, again, this is what I was trying to say about taking things seriously. It's like, in my mind, there's a certain thing I'm doing. If I'm not hired by the IBJJF, then what I'm doing is I'm photographing the Marcelo Garcia team. Yeah. And I photograph us in a way that we all look good. The faces look good. My guys are in basically dominant positions. Even if they lost the match, I'm shooting my team. Yeah. I have a goal in mind. When the IBJJF hires me to shoot that same tournament... You'll you see a ton a of pictures. Way. Right. Yeah. You'll see my guys losing because I'm working for the IBJJF. Now my job is to just document the tournament. But even then, for me, I'm not, say, shooting injuries because that's not the look IBJJF wants to put out. Of but if I not. was hired by New York Daily News to cover the tournament, then I would shoot would. The injuries yeah. because that's what happened. But that mental process is the thing that I find odd that with a lot of guys who are shooting, and it doesn't have to be jujitsu, just whatever you're shooting. And I know I take things so seriously, but to me, you should have some little bit of that mindset with anything you're shooting. There should be something in your head about what you're doing, why you're doing it, how you're doing it. Absolutely. And my motivation, for example, with these, um, this is, you know, as bad a lo-fi as you can possibly get. <laughs> right. And, you know, I've been shooting these tournaments for a while now. You know, I'm, I got tired of carrying around a 10-pound rig, you know. Oh, with the, the the heavy lens and the you know the body and all the batteries and everything. I just got sick of it, you know? And I was like, I'm gonna strip it down to its bare essentials. Right. And what I really wanted to do was like you say, to step away from shooting just the matches. You know, those right. images are ten a penny, right? Yeah. And I really wanted to capture the experience of being right. at a jujitsu right. tournament. And right. I think you know, it's yeah. it's a bit of fun, yeah, but that's great. I, yeah. I, got, I think I got sort of no, that's somewhere fantastic. towards it. That that's the stuff that I would wanna look at. When I'm looking at my uh, Instagram feed, which for the jujitsu stuff, mine, by the way, is Rick in action, R-I-C in action. What is yours while we're on that subject? Okay, so the official one is Flow Grappling. Uh, it's uh, right there on the shirt. at Flow Grappling. And then my personal one, I'll spell it for you. It's at Howell Teague, H-Y-W-E-L. T-E-A-G-U-E. Right. So but I'm when sure I'm looking at my, because I have two Instagram accounts. I have John Ricard, which is kind of my regular photography, and then Rick in action is all jujitsu. Yeah, you won't find a lot of jujitsu on my personal Instagram Yeah, account. there's no point. There's a little bit, but, but I, you I know, I'm the same thing. I see the, the tournament images when they're just the guys fighting. I barely even glance at it. I just scroll right through it, you know? It's the but, same thing with my, my personal Instagram. I, I have a lot of travel photography on there. I right. have a lot of experiential stuff, because for me, it's not about just um it's not about just reporting it's much about capturing the experience and ultimately right. that's what we're trying to do we're trying to tell stories right absolutely yeah that's what i do and i've been trying to work on my captions more on the rick in action one to make that part of the story uh just like one or two more things i'm gonna let you go because i know you got i think you're doing your own podcast today yeah, you said, I am, right? yeah. i'm on the clock <laughs> right but um, i'll tell you one other thing that i think is funny that like the kind of stuff that no one ever had to tell me but i saw a guy one time we're in that little, I, I would call it the pit from my music photography, yeah. but we're in the area where you've got permission to shoot. You're closer to the athletes than the audience. And when you're shooting, 
all the people behind you, the audience, they're all screaming stuff out, you know, oh, go yeah. for the single leg X and pass his guard and whatever. And you got a photographer, he's wearing the orange vest and he's coaching his team. Oh, that's screaming. a total, that's a huge no-no. Yeah. No, so the IBJJF, no, no, no. one of those guys comes by and says like, dude, you can't coach when you're the press. <laughs> Look at that, like... I'm surprised that guy even needed to be told that, you that's know? That's my but, point. Yeah, like, you point. would never have to tell me that because I would take it so seriously. Now, I'm wearing my Marcelo Garcia shirt because I'm with representing my team in that sense, but that's okay. Again, not a journalist. It's just a T-shirt. But when that match is going on and it's a guy that I've known for five years, mind you, I wouldn't know what to do anyway because if I knew what to do, <laughs> why don't I put the camera down and get on the mat? So I have no clue what anybody should do when they're actually competing. But I would never be screaming out. No, it's the why height some... of unprofessionalism. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's but, really rough. But, but you yeah. see that. like You, you do. See, you do. You yeah. see that type of thing of like, guys you know they're talking to the athlete before the fight they're trying to coach they're, like you're just going like why are you in this press area why are you even here when you are not thinking about what you're doing it yeah well there crazy. aren't that many professional media outlets in jujitsu so for the people who do come in to shoot yeah. uh some of them aren't working for a client so yeah, they think because for a client either no, sure but if they're coming the team, in for like, personal reasons they think they can behave as as they want right. where they can't there's still you have right. to have an air of professionalism at all times in doing right. what you're doing but i would say sure. this let me just tie these two points together I just realize we can tie these two points together and then we'll wrap okay is this look i think no matter what you're doing you should have a certain professionalism so you look at the personal work that you were doing with bjj hacks you did it at a level that the premier kind of online sports subscription service noticed it and said we want you on our thoroughly professional team because what you're doing on your own can add to what this giant company is doing because you didn't go there and just be goofy and silly and not care if the audio was good and not know if your white balance was right or the content was garbage you're saying i want to tell stories and this is yeah. what i want to do and i can tell you, you the exact moment that, that actually happened i was right. in salvador bahia uh in brazil for the uh united world wrestling junior world championships so right. i've been hired by united world wrestling who is the the olympic governing body for freestyle wrestling right. okay and they hired me to go to this six-day tournament and produce a series of highlight videos. Okay. So I'm there and I'm shooting, and uh, Matt's side, right next to me, is a shooter from Flow Wrestling, okay, right. from this company. So I was already in talks with Flow Sports at this time. Right. And they basically saw me there, I'm shooting, I'm working, I'm running around, I'm getting all the stuff that I need. Mm -hmm. I was actually shooting for uh, about eight hours every day, and then I would go back and I would edit. Right. And every two days, I was producing a new video, okay? Right. So in six days, I produced three highlight videos. Now, right. that's a lot more difficult than it yeah. sounds, of right? Of course, and, yeah. know, especially if you're shooting eight hours of footage. Shooting and, eight hours of footage yeah. over two days and then putting a video together yeah. so it comes out the day after that second day of shooting right. has, has happened, right. it was a struggle. However, you know, that was the job, so I did it. And they basically, the guy from Flow Wrestling went back to Flow Sports and he said, we need to hire him. He's one of us. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> so you're right. So right. having that professional attitude at all times, right. having that, you know, the, the, the focus of the work first and going in there with right. a professional state of mind, yeah, that's what got me right. hired. And I think even if, again, if you don't have a client, like I said, even if you're just shooting, in my case, just shooting this jujitsu stuff sometimes at the school where I train or the tournament that comes around a couple of times a year, I'm still approaching it professionally with all these things in my head. You're not going to have to tell me don't interrupt the athlete. You don't have exactly. to tell me I shouldn't be rooting. I just to take it professionally. And I think anybody listening, it doesn't matter if you're shooting flowers or parades, whatever. 
you can still approach it professionally. You don't have to wait until you get to be a professional to behave like a professional and just do the job right. I think that's the bottom line for me in everything I do. So. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. And like going back to your story, you know, that I wouldn't be sat here had, you know, you not had that attitude when we first met 18 right. months ago, not even knowing who I was. Right, right. Oh. Just like that. Right. Like I said, just treating you like a professional and not like some kind of enemy or competition or somebody that I'm supposed to throw shade at because we're shooting in the same place. And you see it occasionally. I'll go to a place. I'm you sure do. you've had that once or twice. You yeah, go to a place and the guy's sure. looking at you because he's got guys like elbowing each other out of the way and stuff. Yeah. But you know what? I even yeah, see it. Like, you know wow. what? Yeah. Come in here. Get in as close as you can. Come get right. that shot because you know what? We can be six inches apart you know from exactly the same moment and we'll have completely different shots yeah you can get a completely different shot right yeah yeah so i've got I'm, still, I'm no problem with that yeah you can still do what you're doing yep all right man well thank you for coming down i appreciate it i will see My you pleasure. again next time you're here we'll do this again sounds all great right. thanks all right thanks man appreciate it